Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problem. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with about 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard with Richard Young Associates, uh, financial advisor. Glad to be with you guys this morning. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have everybody listening today on our weekly radio show. Um, we're right here every Saturday, and you know, you, we have our podcast now uh, that yep. you can stream off of our website, moneymd.net. So you can go on there and you can listen to us streaming, or you can uh, pick us up on podcasts there after the fact and listen to all our shows. Um, link to it right there in the upper right-hand corner of our uh of our website, yes. moneymd.net. Easy way to listen. It sure is. Sure is. Well, guys, we have a great show lined up for today. Um, you know, we have we have questions about why to be in the stock market today. Mm. We have questions about that all the time we get, and uh, so we're going to answer that a little bit today. We're going to talk about that in the first segment, why invest in stocks now. I think it's a very timely, important topic. Yeah, it seems like, um, you ever seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, yeah, right. We do have this question every year, don't we? Yeah, it seems that way. You know, so. we go through a little pullback, and, you yeah. know, we've been through some, a lot of volatility this year. Markets are low, I'm scared, or markets are high, I'm scared. So we're going to exactly. dive into that. And then we're going to follow that up with, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, there's been a lot of news articles about fraud. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are actually sending emails um and they're trying to get into your system and steal your credit card information on your, oh, on your yeah. computers. So we're gonna this segment is going to be on how to protect your loved ones um, from fraud. And there's a, a good website out there that I've located that we'll we'll share during that segment. But stick around for that one. That's, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's an important topic. Then we're going to touch on a um, real hot topic right now. I think you know with with the immigration amnesty uh, mm-hmm. that we're looking at, and we're going to kind of. Uh, dive into what that might potentially cost the the taxpayer uh, over the next probably fifty years or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting topic. We'll see. We we'll stay away from the political side. We're just going to dive into the numbers, <laughs> just the numbers, <laughs> just yeah. the data. We'll exactly. see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that should be a good one. Okay, and we're going to start off here though with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Social Security Administration and. I don't know if you guys know, but back in 1983, there was a committee that was formed, and it was actually chaired by Alan Greenspan, which I found interesting. And um, they made some changes to the whole system, and uh, I think it kind of gives us some insight into what's going to happen in the future. But they made a change uh, for people um, that were at least 20 years out from retirement. That was me. Yeah, they raised my retirement age. That's right. I think that's a key. So if they make a change in the future... There's probably a 20-year window here, but they they changed the full retirement age from 65 to age 67. And so, you know, when you look at that, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's basically saved about $100 billion since that time frame. And if you look at it over the next 75 years, they're talking about it saving like $4.6 trillion. So, you know, you can make a slight tweak in some of these and make the system 
good. You can make it whole again. So um, that was done back in 1983. No one has stepped up to the plate and addressed it since then, but somebody's going to have to. Yeah, we need to do it again, don't we? Yeah. It's that, gonna... that was back during the Reagan era. I yeah. mean, he had the guts to mm-hmm. step in there and tackle Social Security reform. And unfortunately, we do need to do it again. We need to do the same thing with Medicare. Yeah, they do. It, it's it's going to happen at some point. It's probably going to happen yeah. in the next five to ten years. I mean, Medicare is really the one that's going to bankrupt us if we don't fix that. Yeah. So, well, uh, we've hopefully. got people that are living longer now and right. you know, more people that fall into that age bracket. Sure. So, yeah. Having said that, if you're on the system now or anywhere close to it, yeah, I think, you know, okay. you've got to exempt you, and they probably will. You know, I think I the way they could get you is through the inflation adjustment. That's a tweak they can make yeah. that would impact everybody, but... Uh, um, I think, I think they're know. probably going to do that at some point. But generally, yeah. the 20 years out, I, I, I thought that was interesting that they set that and said, all right, if you're within that band, you're not going to be impacted. So. And so that should give somebody comfort. If they're over 50, they're, they're approaching, you know, that, that that period where you're in the home stretch to retirement, yep. they're probably not going to mess with your retirement in if they do tweak Social Security again. Yeah. So that's... When they tweak it. When they tweak <laughs> it, right. Very interesting fact. That's good. All right, that leads up to our first topic here, and that is why invest in stocks now? Um, okay, guys, I mean, you know, there are lots of reasons not to trust stock market today. Um, you know, so after a great year last year, all the uncertainty we have now, you know, why should you continue to risk your money in the stock market? That's the question we seem to get a lot nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, why trust the stock market? So. We're going to dive into that, and before we do, I mean, we well, got the disclosure, the standard disclosure. Exactly. Right? We're, we're not trying to predict the markets here. No one can tell you which way it's going to go tomorrow or next month or next year. But you know, looking back at history a little bit, it gives you some some confidence that you can make some wise decisions going forward. So, got to you know start this segment off with that because we're going to talk about some returns and you know things that we look at. Yeah, past performance yeah. doesn't mean anything about the future. That's so. Right. We're not trying to predict the future here. But, yeah, there are lots of reasons to be skeptical of the markets. I mean, after all, Dow and the S&P 500 are are near their all-time highs, and, you know, things are a little bit shaky around the world. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's still uncertainty in in Greece and uh, Ukraine and uh, Europe. It certainly comes up in conversations. Uh, We see oil prices, which are plummeting, and uh, international stocks really have struggled. Uh, It's been going on for a couple years now, and um, the government can't really agree on too many things here or over over in Europe, and the Fed's probably going to be raising rates um, in the near future at some point. So there's some negative things that are on the horizon out there, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, there's simply no shortage of reasons to bail on equities these days. Um, you know, as always, there's always a lot of reasons to look at the stock market and say, oh, my goodness, you know, this could turn out really bad. Um, <clears throat> list goes on, you know. And, oh, yeah, did we mention uh, Clemson beat USC this year? I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's got to be in football. That's oh, got to be a uh, that's gotta be a good reason not to invest in the stock market, right? Another anomaly here over the last yeah, six years. Like five years Haley's in a row. Comment, right? <laughs> <laughs> our, our USC has a losing football season this year. That's not going to happen. Ouch. We're going to beat Miami. Are you? Everybody okay. Everybody will right, be happy. Right. Well, so far, you have a losing season. So we'll see. That's there's gonna, another that's sign for the stock market. And, and Georgia Tech beat Georgia for the first time in five years? Yeah. Same thing? There you okay. go. There so you a go. lot of reasons. In Athens. Anomalies abound. Yeah, don't they? Right. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, so there are a lots of reasons not to invest, but... You know, there are also a lot of reasons to invest. I mean, if you look at the the Standard & Poor's um, earnings this year for the S&P 500, we'll 
likely be at a record again this year. So our earnings have been pretty good. Housing and employment are picking up with over seven months of over 200,000 jobs added this year. Um, so they're, you know, employment is definitely picking up. Unemployment has been dropping. And valuations in the stock market are still very reasonable. I and mean, studies do show that when you have lower than average values, those are usually followed by, by above average returns. And, you know, the Ford P.E. ratio is about 16 now for the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's still still pretty reasonable. Um, and interest rates are still very low, which is good good for companies yeah. out there and good for profits. Yeah, so there, there's definitely reasons to be optimistic, uh, you know, and hopefully we're not looking at any kind of recession anytime soon. It doesn't look that way. Um, things are trying to stabilize, you know, over in Europe. And... Um, so, you know, that, that that should keep us kind of heading in the right direction. Yeah, and hopefully some, some things will stabilize for international there's, there's, equities. There's always going to be negative news and positive news. Right. Anywhere I you mean, look. Yeah. It's 50% of the people on one side and the other 50 on the other side. So That's exactly right. There's a great chart, John, that you've shown us uh, before that shows, you know, a reason each year mm-hmm. why not to, right. to invest. And yep. it's always something that's pretty substantial, mm-hmm. but it also shows us, you know, the track of – of how things return, uh, how things bounce back. So, yeah, regardless of those facts, of those reasons not to invest right. every year, right. the stock market is still up three out of four years on average. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of things out there, and the truth is, no one knows if now is a good time. I mean, that's part of why they call it market risk. Yeah, you know, everything has risk. And that's what you're going to have to evaluate. But we know historically that stocks beat any other form of investment over time. At least they have historically. Um, but, you know, speaking of risk, um, quick story here before the break. And that is, I remember when my kids were learning to drive a few years ago. Remember that, mm-hmm. John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about a scary process. <laughs> um, you know, I thought that scary process would never end. You know, teaching your kids to drive is one of those things that, that really makes you evaluate risk versus reward. <laughs> you know, the risk seems pretty scary, almost certain death at times when I was driving around with our kids. Um, we had one of those moments when Abby had just passed her test. We were coming back from the test. We decided to stop in McDonald's for breakfast. Of course, she wanted to drive. You know, she just got her license. So she was all excited about that. So we're sitting there. You know, and I'm sitting there helpless in the passenger seat while she's trying to make a left turn across four busy lanes Ooh. of traffic. You know, or, or it was a four lane. She's in, you know, turning across two lanes of traffic. And I see that confused face, come, uh, look come across her face as she's sitting there looking and there's a stream of cars turning out in front of her. You know, <clears throat> and so I wait till it's clear and I say, okay, go ahead, go, go, you know, and then. You get that three-second delay before she hits the gas, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, of course, by then, a car is coming. You know, My heart races. I brace for impact, and somehow my life spared because the, the, the other driver had mercy on us and stopped. Well, you know, the other driver wasn't a teen. Well, <laughs> that's exactly right. My wife feels that way sometimes now. Oh, so, with yeah. you? Yeah, I, I, I guess. I don't know why, but anyways. <laughs> well... Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you don't have to go to Orlando for thrills. I mean, all you have to do is just teach your new drivers to uh, to drive. Um, fortunately, though, you know, I'm through teaching my three kids how to drive. <laughs> but you have to evaluate that risk and reward, uh, um, you know, every day. And, uh, you know, in, in driving, you determine it's worth it. Investing in the stock market, you have to also make that evaluation. And, and certainly, uh, over time, it has proven to be worth it. 
So anyway, we'll continue the discussion when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young and Associates. And um, we're continuing our discussion here before the break about uh, why invest in stocks now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, hey, guys, we've been talking about this, and it seems like there's never a shortage of uncertainty and scary things, the reasons that we we hear about all the time, people calling in, that the reasons why they don't want to invest. And and And, Gordon mentioned it earlier. If you go back in history, there's always a reason or two or three or five every year not to invest. But the markets have historically have done very well. Yes. Yes, they have. They have. You know, and um, so you just have to, I think, have a longer-term perspective. And, um, you know, we talked about it. I mean, there are all sorts of reasons that to, that you could point to today, you know, with with the unrest in in Ukraine and Europe, and um, you know things uncertainty in Greece and plummeting oil prices and all the things that that tend to affect the markets. Um, there those things every year, yeah. you know. And uh, but the the truth is, um, you know, long term stocks have done pretty well. Yeah, we all we also know past performance doesn't guarantee future results, so we want to throw that out. We're not trying to predict the markets here, but we're just looking at history a little bit, right? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Um, you know, so uh, you know, and I just just talked about. I mean, you have to evaluate risk versus reward, and you know, just like whenever I taught my kids to drive, and John, you did too. <laughs> you know, there were some really scary <clears throat> moments there. Still are a little sometimes. Uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you, you, you evaluate it and you say, you know, it's worth it. You know, I'm not going to be driving my kids around everywhere when they're 22 years old. So yeah, they got to learn to drive and you got to take the risk. And that's the way it is with your retirement plan, I think. You, you got to, you cannot rely on fixed income investments to get you where you need to be, mm-hmm. particularly not in today's world. And so you got to evaluate the risk, understand it, and, and be willing to take it. And um, so, you know, that's how it is with investing. Um, you know, it felt like the markets may go to zero in, in March of 2009, if you remember those scary times. Um, but logically, you know, that's not reasonable, right? I mean, there is a limit to how mm-hmm. much stocks tend to go down on average in a bear market. But I could hear that fear in vo- uh, clients' voices when they called. Yeah, I mean, no they doubt. They were back in, you know, the last financial crisis, they were really scared yeah. when it was at the bottom. They definitely were scared. And, uh, you know, I think everybody was concerned. You really, you, no one has the answers about when the markets are going to turn back around. But you, you got to step back. You got to look logically. You know, it was a, wor- uh, a risk that uh, was worth taking based on the historical markets have always recovered 100% of the time as long as you've been diversified. Um, you know, we look back historically when the markets have gone down, every time they have come back up. You don't know when they're going to come back up, but they have come back up. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I mean, as far as uncertainty is concerned, you know, I, I think we're really in a pretty good spot right now, even though uh, there are there are a lot of uncertain things out there in the world. Um, but there is some uncertainty behind us. You know, the elections are now behind us. Um, the economy uh, seems to be improving. Um, you know, personally, I'm very optimistic about how a diversified portfolio is positioned today in the stock market. 
Um, valuations like PE ratios are, are some of the lowest we've had in a while with, um, you know, no apparent crisis. You don't see any bubbles really in the economy, at least I don't, mm-hmm. um, that are looming out there. Earnings are, are good and continuing to grow. And, of course, there's always market risk with the, the 30% plus drop that the stock market can do in equities anytime. So you have to understand the risk in your portfolio and be willing to sit through that. That, and that's, that's why it's important to, uh, you know, looking at the bond market, um, that when interest rates are low, you know, there's potential for, for rise there. When interest rates uh, increase, then the, the bond prices decrease. There's that adverse effect there. Um, so, you know, um, we may see some more money move toward the stock market in into equities. And that's why at our firm, you know, we take shorter positions on bonds. Um, just because of that reason, too. Yep. So, Yeah, I mean, lower interest rates like this really should eventually drive more money into the stock market, probably has, and so that should help the market as well. Um, but returns, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the question for the future, you know, risk versus return. Um, you know, and I like to think of returns that they had the potential to rebound this year um, since so many asset classes have been weak, but, of course, that's unpredictable. You know, I mean, there are some studies that point to higher returns when valuations are below average, but you can't count on that. And if we get on a better path, though, I think with federal deficits um, here in the U.S., I think there's a lot of potential, you know, for the stock market to do really well. Um, you know, there's there's some un, there's some remarkable things that are driving manufacturing, like low energy prices. Um, the whole energy sector is providing a lot of jobs in the economy right now. There are many exciting innovations in technology that have the potential to help our economy as well. I think of 3D printing, battery technology that's been improved dramatically, um, communications that have been improved. I think those are all areas of recent improvements that have a lot of potential in our economy. Yeah, I think energy. We I heard a stat that said for every one cent drop in the price of gas, yeah, there's another billion dollars of spending power for consumers. Wow. It's a big add to it's the GDP. Amazing. I was yeah. surprised. I got gas for 205 yesterday. Did you? That's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's broken uh, $2 in uh, yeah. Oklahoma, I hear. Yeah, so. should drive out there and probably fill up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Right. Somebody can fl- we'd fly out there. That'd be quicker. That'd be good. Yeah, Bring a gas can back, yeah. Starting to use some of that Al Gore logic now. That's, uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, of course, you know, the truth is no one knows what the future of the markets is. But, you know, I think it's indisputable that the economy is certainly in a better place than it was five years ago. And it's improving. A lot of people have questions about the, the European situation. They're trying to do some stimulus over there as well. So there's potential in uh, international markets as well based on some stimulus over there. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's interesting where the big growth has come from over the past five years with energy and manufacturing. I mean, no one thought we were going to see big growth areas in our economy like that back, you know, five years ago. Um, So the point is, I mean, we have to recognize that we can't predict where future growth will come from. But history shows it will come, you know, and um, there are, are, are many examples of when investors question whether the future for the market would be as good as the past. Well, like back in 1995, people thought that the market was overpriced and P.E. ratio was around, what, 16, very mm-hmm. similar to today. Yep. And it went on to have uh, record-breaking like four years or so, you know, so... Yeah, that's history exactly. tends to repeat itself. We'll see see kind of what happens next. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if you consider 2009 after the financial crash, um, no one really was rushing into the markets, but yet we had the 24 best months in 25 years in the stock market, and we had an incredible recovery for the next two years following that low. And on the other hand, almost everyone wanted to buy stocks in March of 2007 when we started the worst 24 months since the Great Depression. So, you know, the, but but if you have 20 years, the worst the S&P 500 has ever done in the last 50 years was a 7%-plus return per year. Um, the best is 17%. So, you know, the odds are greatly on your side that you're going to be okay if you have a long time horizon. So the takeaways here are, I mean, there's always reasons not to invest. Um, now is no different. Risk is always present, but time in the market is what counts, not timing the market. That's really the key to success. So diversification, you know, can always help reduce risk um, due to uncertainties. But don't try to time the market. Pick a prudent asset allocation and risk level that you understand. Stay invested for the long term and Forget the uncertainties. Those are already in the price today. Those are just noise in your the grand harmony of your retirement plan. Yep. So, okay. Good discussions. Good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. I had this question from a, uh, uh, a friend this last week, someone I was just talking to trying to help out, and they got laid off from their job. They have about 25000 in a 401K, and... Um, they have a mortgage right now. So the question was, is should I take out the money from my 401k and pay off the mortgage? And basically my coaching was, um, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you need to take out some every month to pay the mortgage, you know, bill, you need a place to live. Um, I would not recommend taking everything out and paying it off, but you got to make the payment. Otherwise they'll come back and take it from you. So she'll be able to get a job in the next three to six months. So if that is your only source, if you don't have an emergency fund, I think taking it out, you're going to have taxes and a penalty associated with it. But you got to have the security of your home. Um, that's definitely. that's critical to, to do that. But leave the rest of it in and let it try to grow over time. Yeah, definitely don't cash out your retirement plan totally and try to pay off your mortgage when you're in that kind of situation. But like you said, if you, if you have to take money out to make the mortgage payment, yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, but but um, you want to maintain as much liquidity as you can. So I talked to her about an emergency fund in the future, trying to get that set up to protect you. Yeah, it, so. yeah good, good question, though. All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Barber, the certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and we have Gordon Leppard here, who's an advisor at Richard Young Associates, and we're going to um, lead off our next topic here, and that is how to protect loved ones from fraud. Um, you know, this is a great article out of Kiplinger's, and and just a great topic because. To me, John, it, it, guys, there is just no shortage of new fraud attempts. I get emails all the time that just yep. want you to click on this, click mm-hmm. on that, and they look really, a lot of them look le- really legit. You right. know, um, you know, your package at UPS is track your package, or yep. a package has arrived and they couldn't deliver it, or you know, and then they always have the the logos and all that kind of stuff on there, and you know, and of course for elderly folks, there's a lot of people getting phone calls too. Sure. 
You know, it's interesting. Um, Tammy and I went old school this last weekend. We actually drove to Augusta Mall and went shopping. Really? Wow. <clears throat> wow. And we were talking to Danielle on the way, our 20-year-old daughter, and uh, told her we were going to shop at a mall. And she's like, well, I finished all my shopping online at Amazon What's last that, night. What's that, Dad? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm like, we're going old school. So, you know, going old school is a way to protect yourself a little bit. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I can't think of the last time I went into a mall, but, yeah, I, I agree. We went around. It, we had a good time. You know, it's been a long time since I've been yeah, to a mall. Yeah, that's so. a great thing to do in the holiday season. But, you know, I mean, unfortunately, um, fraudsters are out there. I mean, you know, a lot of people's wallets are squarely in the crosshairs of financial predators. I mean, you know, financial exploitation runs a gamut from, you know, something very small and quaint to something that's um, breathtaking from an abuse standpoint. I mean, we see telemarketers that sell auto club memberships to seniors who no longer drive. It's <laughs> crazy. And do it with a smile. Yeah. <laughs> right. it's and holiday sad. cheer. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. And caregivers who are asked to help with uh, the banking side of it, they withdraw cash for themselves. Or maybe it's an adult child who holds a financial power of attorney that takes all of the uh, retirement and savings account from the the person they're supposed to be helping. So yeah, we've seen all. I've seen all that. I know it's it really is sad. The numbers are stark. I mean, people sixty and older accounted for twenty seven percent of the fraud complaints last year, and that was up from about twenty two percent in two thousand and eleven. So. It's definitely on the increase, and, and elderly people um, are the highest percentage. I mean, people go after folks that are a little bit older. So in a recent survey of 40 consumer protection agencies, um, scams against the elderly ranked as the, the worst complaint in 2013. So, you know, financial fraud is skyrocketing, and that's according to a state director at uh, Washington State Director at AARP. Uh, there's just not enough investigators or prosecutors to handle the unbelievable surge in this activity. I think you mentioned it. I mean, I, I get emails all the time about click here, click there, you know, yep. go check on this. Made the mistake about three years ago of doing that, and it messed up my computer, so I don't do that anymore. Yeah, um, I remember so that. It's, it's yeah. out there, and people are unfortunately... They're fraudsters. Well, and if you get a message like that, sometimes you get it even from friends where they've been hacked. Right. They send you a link. You know, if you know that person or it seems odd, contact that friend. Say, hey, did you send me a message? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my general feeling nowadays is don't ever click on a link in an email. I just don't do it, you know. I just, I mean, if the information is not in the email, then I'll try to go directly to website. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of all those nowadays, unless it's just something I was really expecting to get that I'm looking for, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a great topic, because I think as the aging baby boomers are hitting, you know, retirement age and and some of them getting elderly, Mm -hmm. There's just more and more of this going on. I mean, it's just an ongoing thing. And um, now more and more, you know, information is out there from getting hacked off of websites and stuff. So now people have your phone number, your parents' phone numbers, and even their birth dates and things from, you know, different sources. And uh, it's scary. It really is. The statistics actually only illustrate a small fraction, I think, of the problem because most Senior financial abuse goes unreported, according to this article. I mean, seniors are often reluctant to report that they've been scammed because they're embarrassed, um, maybe afraid that they'll be deemed no longer capable of managing their own finances or even unwilling to expose a family member who may be stealing money from them. So, you know, seniors suffering from uh, dementia, in fact, may not even realize that they've been exploited. There's lots of reasons why 
I think the statistics really under-illustrate how bad the problem is. Yeah, and there's a couple of factors that make um, seniors in particular targets for these scams. Someone that maybe has uh, you know a lot of retirement savings, maybe they have um, isolation uh, or health issues that de- uh, diminish some of their ability to make decisions. And in recent years, you know, interest rates have been so low that seniors uh, that live on a fixed income maybe have taken on some risk. And, um, you know, there's some products out there that aren't on the up and up, and uh, they take seniors for a lot of money. Well, and, and now there's a new array of uh, tools and techniques that can help seniors and their advocates, you know, really protect themselves uh, from this happening in the first place. You know, because seniors are the most susceptible to financial scams. Uh, regulators and senior advocates are recognizing that professionals in the legal, medical, and, and our industry, you know, the financial industry should play, a, you know, a, a larger role in helping protect um, these seniors from being exploited the way that they are. And so there's new types of debit cards and smartphone apps uh, that are definitely helping in this area right yeah. now. And there's, you know, there's new research on the, the interplay between financial scams and declining health. And it shows how seniors can potentially safeguard their pocketbooks by paying closer attention to their medical conditions and even discussing some of their financial problems I thought was interesting, talking with your doctor about it. And I'm not sure how huh. doctors would sit there and say, oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> maybe they're talking about the money doctors. Maybe they are. They were the type doctors. doctor they really should talk about. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, more than one-third of people 71 and, and older have some form of cognitive impairment or dementia. It's according to the Duke University research. And people even with mild uh, impairment have far more trouble with basic financial tasks, such as like paying bills and looking at bank statements and those without the condition. So, you know, there's certainly, you know, issues when you start having dementia with, with managing money. I mean, the risk level goes up significantly. So, you know, other health problems can also make seniors more susceptible to scams. There was a recent um, AARP survey uh, of internet users that found that online fraud victims were more likely than non-victims to have experienced some type of serious illness in the last couple of years. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think if you have a loved one in this situation, you've got to reach out to them and start talking with them associated with this. You know, given the links between the physical and the financial health, um, Investor Education Group, um, it's called Investor Protection Trust, IPT, has begun training doctors and pharmacists to spot some of this abuse of so the program, which has trained more than 7,000 doctors in the last couple of years. It teaches these doctors um, to ask older patient questions about financial stress and who is managing their money. So I found that interesting. I, I, I'm, you know, I would be curious on what the, the medical community feels about that. I think, you know, if there's yeah. another family member involved in the medical treatment, certainly alerting them of some of this would, would be good. But um, I don't know. I just found that as a, interesting talking to your doctor about financial stuff and, and medical yeah, together. It really is. I guess they would do that because the doctor, you know, is trained to recognize sure. dementia and those type, type things that would lead to those problems. Um, you know, in fact, uh, family members and friends can can look at this a lot of the same red flags that these doctors are being trained to evaluate. Um, you know, there are things like growing confusion about how to pay your bills and, you know, sudden concern about running out of money at the end of the each month. Um, those may be signs that, you know, your parent or, or a senior, you know, may need some help. I mean, if you see the signs of mental a mental decline, um, a doctor can evaluate whether the parent or senior should be referred to for testing. Mm-hmm. You know, they can do things like a functional MRI is what they call it, 
where they can test and see if there's really some cognitive impairment there. Um, but if you sus- suspect financial exploitation, report it to your local protective services agency. Um, and they have a website here that'll point you that in the right direction. Um, it's the Elder Care Locator at eldercare.gov. Mm-hmm. So that can help you find you know the right place to report it. Yeah, you know, just as an illness can make seniors more susceptible to financial fraud, what they what they see here is that in some cases, senior has seniors have um, have foregone uh, health care um, because in some cases they have no more money. I mean, they've been scammed out of it. So, you know, the simple knowledge that they've been ripped off seems to to spark a physical decline. So, I think we'll cover the rest of this when we come back. We'll, we'll close out this segment. There's a really good website on here that I want to mention when we come back here that if you're in this situation or you have a loved one um, that you need to start kind of looking after that you can go to and, and maybe sign up. I checked it out. It looks pretty good. Okay. Yeah, great topic. All right, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is the Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break um, about um, protecting, you know, seniors from mm-hmm. from fraud. Um, it's just a rampant, I guess, epidemic of of fraud that's going on with our senior population and. These are some great steps that are mentioned here to uh, help protect from that. You know, one thing that uh, happened in a personal situation, um, my grandparents, they had a hard time hearing. And so, you know, sometimes their ability to hear and actually comprehend what's going on, if someone's speaking to them, uh, they may just catch bits and pieces. And then, you know, a lot of times they feel the obligation, hey, I need to close this or I'm done. They want to just sign and get out of there. And they're not careful they can find themselves in a very precarious situation yeah you know so and that's what this article says is is as our population ages um you know a senior is more likely to have fraud associated with it because right, their right. cognitive ability and and um you know just being able to deal with sometimes some physical impairments so there could <laughs> that's right and this, this article them. goes on to, to talk about a specific case howard tens uh tischler in uh, Maryland, saw his mother's health decline after a period of financial abuse. Uh, his mother, who used to be an accountant, so she was used to dealing with numbers, got to her point in her late 70s that she started to have some financial trouble. Um, she had a lot of credit card bills. Um, she had she was one of the people that was paying $80 a month for the auto club policy, and she was legally blind. Um, so she was being taken advantage of. She got fell behind on long-term care insurance. Policy was canceled. Basically, what happened is is her mother had to go into assisted living and had to use all of her resources because she had been scanned. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. This um, this gentleman, uh, Tischer, uh, started his started a business. Um, it's called EverSafe, and it's a company focused on safeguarding seniors' finances. And I went out and checked out the website. It costs five bucks or ten bucks a month, but you can set the accounts up. That you can actually see um, your 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 elders' accounts, your parents' accounts, 
and you can monitor it. Um, there's some other things that they look at from a, a theft standpoint and identity. So it's a way that you can get a picture into your into your parents' financial assets. Um, and so, hmm. you know, it would be something I would certainly recommend people look into. Uh, if you have a, a parent that's living halfway across the United States, it would be a way to kind of keep tabs on them and make sure that they're not getting taken it's advantage kinda of. kind of check and balance system, you know, going, that's right. going on there. You know, and, and that's what, you know, this article goes on to say is a little planning can go a long ways when it comes to protecting your finances in the event of declining health. Uh, tell a trusted relative where important financial documents and, and other uh, relative relevant documents are in case of a serious illness. Um, set up direct deposits of any kind of income or benefit checks that you might be receiving regularly. And uh, designate a power of attorney for your finances. You know, this is someone that can, can manage your financial affairs uh, in the case that you're incapacitated. Uh, and build safeguards to prevent that abuse. You know, for example, require the agent periodically to report to a third party, such as a friend or a lawyer, um, and that a third party approve uh, any larger purchases right. or you know mm-hmm. things that are very uh, substantial, su- substantial, yeah. you know, and significant. Yeah, and I think these steps, like you're talking about, are, are a way that you can protect the uh, you know the people that you love. It's it's surprising. Family members actually account for nearly sixty percent. Of the cases of senior financial exploitation. Wow! Ouch! Yeah, that's right. So be careful. That's sad. You know who you who you trust. That's surprising. Followed by friends and neighbors and sad. so forth. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of people that want to take your money. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you got to spend some time on this. Try to help your be careful. parents or, yeah. or grandparents out and um, spend some time on it because it's it's easy to um to to fall for some of these traps out there. Yeah, it is. That's an important topic and a good topic. So that was a good one. All right. That leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, and this prescription kind of falls in line with some of the topics today of, you know, when you do order something online, um, we talked about emails coming to you. Don't open the emails. I've seen a couple of things on uh, NBC and CBS about this. Uh, What they basically do is you click on the link. It puts a, um, a, a virus on your machine. It'll go and get all of your financial records. I don't know how it finds it. And it'll send it back um, to the perpetrator. So uh, go check the website. Go to Amazon. Um, go directly to Cabela's, wherever you're buying this stuff from. And, and you can check on the order that way. Yeah. All right. Good Good prescription of the week. That's a good point. Okay. And that leads us up here to our last topic. And that is... Um, you know, article on uh, the new immigration reform, right? Um, yeah, how you know, immigration amnesty is a pretty hot topic right now, and you know, this particular article and study is looking at the, or one side of the potential economic impact to the American taxpayer. And uh, this particular study done by um, Robert Rector of the Heritage Foundation states that the president's immigration amnesty uh, policy could potentially cost two trillion dollars over the next 50 years and that's about 40 billion a year that's um that's some pretty considerable money there it's a big ticket yeah Uh, the total equates to about twenty two thousand dollars on uh for every tax on uh, for every american who has a four-year degree 30 cent extra for every gallon of gas or $10 a month tacked on to every cell phone bill. 
So, again, you know, they're just trying to put some things in perspective uh, to let people see how significant mm-hmm. $2 trillion is. It says the $2 trillion uh, cost is driven by the federal government's support for very low or no-wage uh, earners, Rector says, a budget analysis uh, for the Heritage Foundation. He goes on to explain that, on average, the illegal immigrants benefiting from the amnesty have a 10th grade education or a lower education that, therefore, kind of keeps their earning potential down, you know, and so they don't pay as much in taxes uh, to pay for the benefits that they'll receive over the the course of time that they're there. So I I guess what he's saying there is that, you know, for the amount of taxes that they're paying and, Mm -hmm. and the benefits that they're receiving, uh, that we're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, and the, the various benefits add up to about $50,000 a year for, for each household. Uh, but those households can and do pay only about $13,000 in federal taxes, and that leaves a gap of about 40000 between the payments and the benefits. And that gap is effectively filled by payments from, uh, you know, other folks that have uh, a much higher pay. Um, you know, it takes all of the net taxes paid by one um, you know, college-educated family to pay for the uh, the folks that are coming in under this um, under this process. So, just talking about the benefits that they receive versus what they're paying in in taxes, and there's a gap. Yeah, I mean, this estimate comes from a May uh, 2013 analysis he did for the Heritage Foundation, which predicted uh, a 6.3 trillion dollar 50-year cost if all the 12 million Ill- illegals in the country now were granted amnesty. And, you know, currently the government spends around $50 billion a year supporting the children and families of illegal immigrants already. And much of that cost, you know, consists of free schooling, medical care um, for the U.S.-born kids of illegal immigrants. So it's not insignificant. I mean, there is a cost there, and, you know, it, it adds up. And and I don't want it to sound like we're against, you know, helping uh, you know, and and making a way for people to work here legally. Yeah, you know, and uh, because I, I do believe that there's there's great opportunity there. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but we also have you know a serious issue with military veterans benefits, uh, senior care. There's so many uh, internal needs that sometimes get overlooked in the light of certain issues like this. That you know that we really should address, I Mm -hmm. think, you know, and and pay a little more attention to. But it goes on to say that, you know, Obama's plan will expand the spending, for example, by providing tax benefits, including earned income tax credits. So Stuart Varney uh, sat down with Bill Hammer this morning to explain the new statistics, saying that figures are based on 4 million undocumented immigrants eventually getting green cards to work. So, uh... He says you cannot have an open-border immigration policy if you've got a welfare state. If you invite people across the border and give them all the goodies as soon as they arrive, you're encouraging more people to arrive, and it becomes extremely expensive, and that cuts down the approval for immigration. So there's definitely some pushback there. Yeah, and that's the part for me that's just... I just can't fathom why our Congress and government can't at least agree on shutting off the borders. You know, it's not that difficult. They talk about, you know, the expense of building a fence or whatever. But, I mean, come on, we built interstates that go all the way across the yeah. country. They have two fence and have, yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of yards every mile of concrete. I mean, we can build a stupid fence and, you know, put cameras up every mile or so. And, I mean, it's just not that undoable. And for some reason, 
We refuse to shut off the flow of immigrants. Then we can deal with, you know, do we give them, yeah. you know, worker visas or, or what do we do with folks that are here? But we got to we got to shut off the border. There's a balance, and again, I hate to say it, but it goes back to. You know, it's a political fight, and um, our is. politicians can't agree on many things no, these they days. Can't. And to us, I mean, there seems like some reasonable solutions out there. I mean, I think there is a balance. The people that are here, exactly, figure out how to keep them here and put them to work. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, you know, yeah, there are some answers. Hopefully, you know, the new Congress um, in in force in January, we can come up with some solutions but yeah it's doubtful till we get you know the congress and the administration on the same page Working which they're not that's yeah. true yeah all right guys well good topic this week and this brings us to a close of this week's edition of money md with john Stephen gordon but tune in next saturday from 9 to 10 a.m to hear more prescriptions for your financial health and do check us on our website moneymd.net um, you can link to us there. You can email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And also you can get our podcast going all the way back to the beginning of the year. Um, or give us a call, too, at uh, Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Have a great day. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.